You stand on the shore of the ocean watching the tide come in. You sense the call of the sea beckoning to take you further. You step forward little by little, not knowing what to expect, but expecting more. You keep going as the ocean calls, calls you to enter in to deeper waters. Welcome to the Deeper Waters Podcast. I am Nick Peters, your host, seeking to bring you the very best in Christian scholarship and apologetics. And today, we're continuing talking about marriage. Marriage is what brings us all here today, right? Well, sometimes marriage isn't always a bed of roses. There's a lot of trouble that can come. Sometimes, even if a couple loves each other, they can go through a lot of financial hardship, sickness, anything like that. My guest today, who's going to be with us for this hour, know, they know all about that. Their story has been very inspirational online. They're uh, Michael and Sarah Stover, and I'd like to welcome both of them to the Deeper Waters podcast. Hi, Nick. Hi, Nick. So, now, at the end, I normally tell people about where they can go for more information such, but I'd like you to just at the start tell us what's your website where people can go to to find out your story. Um, I blog at inkblotsofhope.com and Michael sometimes blogs on there as well. So so it's inkblots and then of hope.com. I-N-K-B-L-O-T-S-O-F-H-O-P-E.com. Okay. So, tell us, how, how did you two meet each other? Do you want to start us out, and then I'll correct you when you're wrong? <laughs> that, that, that's, the go, that's the job of a good wife there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, on my end, um, I, I was kind of fed up with the local um, Christian scene. It felt like a lot of girls weren't really deep about their faith, and um, you know, lived one way at church and another way at home type of thing. And the good ones were taken. And right? the good ones were taken. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I, I ended up, uh, complaining to someone and they're like, Oh, why don't you, why don't you try out Christian Mingle? I'm like, yeah, right. And, uh, then I, Some kind of fling, <laughs> then I went home and I was like, well, you know, God, God's not limited in how people can meet today. This is the information age. You never know. And, um, and another th- interesting thing that's a part of the puzzle piece of the story is that I actually met Sarah's father at a car shop, and uh, I knew her brother a little before I even knew she existed. So so on my end, my dad actually came home to me at that time, the time that he was talking about, um, and was trying to basically fix me up with him. And I was like, no, you know, anytime a dad comes to their mm. daughter trying to fix them up you know usually that's like yeah no thanks though <laughs> but no um so a, a good a decent while had passed and then i went on christian mingle basically because i one was just curious about who was out there and two my um there's somebody in my life that 
was really looking to get married and settle down. I was like, well, I could look for them. Um, and then when I was looking for this person, I, I found Michael. And on my end, a lot of time had gone by where I was about to give up on Mingle. Felt like, you know, there's girls on there. And you, you wouldn't believe this, but there's girls on there who are just there to try to hook up. And it's like, it's a Christian dating site. Come on. <laughs> anyway, um, so I about gave up. And then Sarah's profile popped up. She actually reached out to me first. I was like, there's something about this girl. Now, mind you, I didn't know anything about her. I didn't know that, didn't you know, know he her dad had a daughter. Her brother had a sister. Um, and I didn't know he was the guy that my dad was trying to pick me up with. Yeah, so. she didn't know my name, what I looked like or anything. So here it is. We Sarah finds me ultimately is divine intervention that but yet at the same time uh, on our own end we didn't know that all that was being orchestrated mm -hmm. so then we ended up um finding each other on Facebook to save money because you know <laughs> mingle can add up after a while and um then uh we were we were exchanging messages and then I I gave her my number and we started talking on the phone and then uh, we talked for hours and finally she hinted around like this at this time I lived an hour away from my hometown. I was trying to find an opportunity and uh, she's like, so when are you going to come in town? And I tried to play it cool. Like, oh yeah, she's well, like, oh, yeah, I have to pick up my hamper. <laughs> I got to come and get some stuff. <laughs> I didn't want to come on too strong at first. So um, anyway, we ended up meeting in person and we talked for hours and it was, we just really hit it off. And I was like, I already knew, you know, from the, mm -hmm. from that point, and Sarah knew too, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think it's kind of interesting that the girl making the first move, because when it came to Allie and I, I contacted her first, but she was the first one to ask me out. Oh. Because I know she, she was just wanting a friend, and I had emailed her, Gary Happenmas gave me her email, and I emailed her, and we were just talking, and she said she wanted to get back together with her old boyfriend, and I decided internet romance wasn't the way for me to go. Been down there before, not going to happen. We both said we we're going to go. Good, we're agreed. Married within a year. There you go. <laughs> You're like, I'm not going in the friend zone. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so, so I, I gotta ask this fun question, but you know, the thing that you uh, have to correct me gets wrong. I'm guessing also that uh, you also have to laugh at him when he dies in a video game, right? <laughs> yeah, and that happens more often than I would like to admit. <laughs> so, right until you play against me sometime. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm sure you'll beat me. <laughs> okay, so you all you got married. How long did it take before you got married? I think two years from the date. Yeah, and the funny thing is, we actually could have been ready sooner. So it was we partially let external pressures make us wait a little, but we could have been married a little sooner. Two years of that, slow pokes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Now, now, Michael, you and I met one time, I remember. You came to Knoxville or something. Were you married then or not? Yes. That we, was actually our honeymoon. That was oh. our honeymoon. Uh, we were fresh. Sarah and I were freshly married. With, that We had our uh, our honeymoon in Gatlingburg. Mm -hmm. um, oh, actually, technically, Tverville. I can't even say it right. We used mm -hmm. to joke and call it Tverville. Like, what's well, so no, severe we, about we this? No, it was actually called Sevierville. Oh, but, okay. But we, we like to call it Seaverville because it sounded Yeah, Seaverville. <laughs> yeah, I was, about, I was about to say because I grew up in that area and I thought it is called Sevierville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Michael doesn't know what he's talking about. It's nothing new. I'm, I'm kind of used to it. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I was, I was in the bathtub while you guys were meeting because I was sick with the flu. She was sick with the flu, so already my bowels were tested to you know, sickness and health and all that. It was... <laughs> You know, in a, in, a, in a small scale way, it was almost like it was prepping me for the longer term journey of what we've gone through. Okay, so let's get into that. What have you gone through? Because some sort of sickness showed up early on. What was the nature of sickness and how did it affect you? Now, I was, I, I'll mention, I was sick before we got married. And I just kind of thought to myself, kind of wishful thinking almost the after we after we get married that it'll get better but unfortunately it only got worse so mm -hmm. I found out that I have um long-term uh Lyme's disease so I contracted it when I was most likely early adolescence and the thing about Lyme disease is if you catch it early on when it's in its acute phase with antibiotics you're fine and you don't have to deal with chronic long-term Lyme, but if you don't catch it at an early stage, um, it actually turns into different forms and it um, becomes more of a, a bacteria-resistant kind of thing where it, um, antibiotics can only do so much. So. Mm -hmm. Sarah's had autoimmune issues since around nine years old. Um, so her and I, what, what we one of the main things we connected on when we met is when I was 19 years old, I actually had a uh, traumatic brain injury and it caused long-term effects for me in my life. So, you know, I knew that not just any girl would want a guy like me. So mm -hmm. I took a risk and opened up and broke the ice and then she felt safe and was like, well, actually I have something going on too. And, you know, thought a guy wouldn't want her. So I was like, well, we're, we're both in this, you know? And then when, um, and I used to have uh, I, I, issues where I would pass out and have vertigo and stuff like that before we got married. But Things got exponentially worse. Exponentially worse after we got married, and our health really declined. And um, Sarah had to leave her job, it was, and that was part of the overall problem because the place had um, you know bad chemicals and stuff that would affect her health. She I was has, spending a thousand plus. We spent a huge chunk of our budget on her health, and I myself, I became way more fatigued and would take forever time my shoes and all, and um, after, so her parents helped me at that time, and then, but I was in denial for a long time. And just to explain things a little bit, you, you can get Lyme disease and other things sexually, not yes. to get weird, but yeah. there's different things that they found out within... There's a lot decade of decade or more research that you can get more things sexually than what people would like to think. <laughs> yeah, it, it act, Lyme actually acts similar to uh, syphilis, so same shape. All same of that. same corks, uh, corkscrew corks shape shape, shape of the you know bacteria or whatever. But anyway, um, we were also in black mold. We were also so in a home with black mold, so that really exasperated things as well. And you know what. One of the things we learned in this journey is don't always listen to what other people say because there were, were people telling us not to mention it online, and we know we could have gotten help sooner to get out of that place. So, so we lived there for several years. We lived there for there several really years, much. and it was hell on earth. So. Um, and uh, you know that's part of what caused me to have a really bad decline. Where one day I was in the bathroom, uh, 
and I was I was standing up straight and I fell for it. I'm six foot two, so imagine falling from that height and then I hit my head near the bottom of the wall. Mm. And went unconscious. Turn blue. Turn blue. End up in the hospital. Yeah, seizure, all that. So, long story short, you know, there's and, and the people don't realize it's not just Lyme. There's co-infections that come with it, Babesia, Bartonella, etc. And also, it, it, it lowers your resistance to things. Yeah, it makes your immune system really, really weak, so yeah. you're more prone to pick things up. And that's what kind of happened to me fall when when my health really went downhill and Michael had to take care of me. Basically, I had an attack on my body where it was the Lyme was attacking me, but also tons of new infections were just coming at me and um, infected my body, and I ended up having to be wheelchair bound for a while for a good mm. while and yeah, she went from walking to not walking crawling and then not even being able to crawl and being mostly bedridden seizing hourly i had to take that. care of her like she was a newborn baby for a while yeah i remember when you came to atlanta some mm-hmm. during hurricane i was it iris yeah i don't know there, there were so many <laughs> Um, Iris, Irene, one of those names and stuff. Oh, yeah. Irene. Irene. Yeah. 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 Okay, it was working Irene better. Yeah, you had to have a wheelchair for Sarah. Yeah. And I do still have to for long, longer distances, but it used to be where I was reliant on it completely. I don't like to admit this, but if I if I have to go to the store or something, I usually have to go in a wheelchair because I can't stand too long or I'll pass out. Okay. Right. Now, what I have to ask at this point is that, you know, when people are, make their wedding vows and such, most of them don't anticipate something like this. So, I mean, it's kind of got to go over your head sometimes, like, this isn't what we signed up for yeah. and such. So how has this affected your marriage? Well, the good thing is previously before we got married, we it's almost like the, the Lord uh, prepped both of us because we read good, solid books like Love and Respect and whatnot. And one of the books that really planted some, some really nice seeds is uh, – uh, Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas, and um, mm. that helped me have a better perspective going in that it's not just about like all the good times and stuff. You know, it's it, it helps you become more like Christ. You learn a lot about sac- self sacrifice, and it's not about mm. you. You know that kind of thing. So, also, Ian, Ian and Larissa. Oh yeah, and we also I'm not sure if you heard of the story of that uh, the married couple named Ian and Larissa, but it became a it went viral on YouTube where. Um, you know, the wife was taking care of the husband, and he had, uh, I think, brain damage. Severe brain Severe damage. brain damage, yeah. and uh, it was inspirational. So, so Michael turned to me when we, we watched that video, and he said, if, if that ever happened to you, just know I would take care of it. Yeah, and then even though there's sources that aren't, like, completely specific Christian, um, I, I remember watching a movie called A Walk to Remember, and that was a powerful movie in that how the guy transformed and he really um you know wanted to love that woman even though he knew she could die and all and i thought wow and another thing is that that the guy who we bought the rings from uh he's a believer and he gave me a sermon um and it was it was actually a eulogy oh i'm sorry it was a eulogy which Mm -hmm. was the norm i'm like whoa he's given us a eulogy a eulogy for his wife's for his wife's funeral but it was such a powerful message about what love really is and enduring so many things. And, um, you know, and I always knew for myself, like I grew up in a broken home and didn't have the best examples. So I wanted to be different from that. You know, I wanted to be counterculture from what I've seen. 
So to me, marriage is like, you know, it's a lifetime. It, 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 you, until death do us part. Contrary to popular thought, you don't have to replicate what you grew up in. Yeah. Sometimes I would say most of the time that's not the case. Um, most of the time, you know, people who grew up broken, yeah, you have one or two choices. You either still replicate the brokenness or, or you allow God to help you create a new legacy. And you you actually find some sort of healing from it in a yeah. way because you're an agent of change. Yeah, and and so one of the biggest things is looking at the life of Christ, and you know we as Christians are the bride of Christ. And I, I, I the, the analogy I felt like he gave me going into marriage was Jesus is the ultimate caregiver, and he helps take care of his bride. Why wouldn't I? And he sacrificed for her. Why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know I've had to do some such things with Allie as yeah. well when she's gone through a lot of hard times and such. I've had to be a strong one, and, and I'm sure you can say I mean like her, but you haven't always done perfect at it. No, I I can I'll definitely admit that you know frustration that still comes. Yeah, you know you're not going to be perfect. The and and the key is not acting like that's that's not going to happen I mean, you know I there's mean, people who act like they'll ne- they'll never have problems but the problem one of the biggest problems is there's a difference between fighting each other and fighting for each other you yeah. know and you know if you make a mistake own it you know admit you're wrong and you know repent of it before god and your wife and make it right and, you, you know, know learn from it fail forward frustrating things mm-hmm. um it's you know, it can sound romantic on the surface of a husband taking care of his wife or something like that. But I, you have to understand, as humbling as it sounds, I, I, I pooped the bed and stuff. On yeah. Home. And that's not romantic. You no. know, there's no romance involved. Yeah. In that. Um, no, not to say we didn't have romantic moments, but I'm just saying there's a, a huge element of frustration and there should still be grace for the caregiver if there's a moment of frustration. That yeah. Happens. And, and and the thing is, Sarah had a lot of grace towards me, and you know, um, but I was gonna say, you know, going into the marriage and learning a lot. Other things I've learned is that you know you got to be careful with what you have on your checklist of what it's like. Okay, this is everything I want to happen. Well, things don't always go according to plan. For example. Um, most married people, God gave it as a blessing to enjoy a sex, sexual intimacy, but we haven't had a, as much as what normal people have had for four years. For four years. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, Michael, that, that was going to be my next question, actually, because, you know, I think most of us guys, if we're good Christian guys and we've saved ourselves for marriage, which is including me, mostly, I, I've said for women plan for wedding, guys plan for honeymoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And let's face it, one of the great things we look forward to when we think about getting married is, oh, yeah, we are going to be having sex like every day. We're not going to be able to keep our hands off of each other and such. And I don't know how many guys I've talked to have said, yeah, but my wife, she was all over me when we were dating. And so as soon as we got married, gosh, that ended pretty quickly and such. But, I mean, I'm sure that was part of your great desire when you were getting set to get married and such. Yeah, that's a that's a normal desire. You know, you want to consummate your relationship. You that for uh, the first six months, I would yeah, say. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but and and we, it was a learning thing too that. because at <laughs> first, you know, I I 
I went through a lot of hurt, abandonment, and rejection in my past. So at first, when she didn't want to at times and, and all, not I would, that I, I couldn't. it's not that she was withholding. It's just that, you know, it hurt her and that kind of thing. And so I would misunderstand and feel like she was rejecting me. Yeah. And I had, I had to really work through that. And remember, that's not just about me. And the thing is, when, once you have those moments that it does happen, it's that much more of a blessing and rewarding. Mm. You know, you just love them and sacrifice and you find other channels and avenues to connect with your spouse. And then when it, you know, the Lord can bless there to be moments where it doesn't hurt. It's really enjoyable, you know, that kind of thing. But, so yeah, you count, we, you count your blessing. We actually had a doctor that was trying to prescribe Michael an antidepressant. Because he was like, yeah, I know you're not getting any. <laughs> I usually want to be able to. <laughs> you want to be able to. Um, and you seem kind of depressed. So I'm give you an antidepressant. But um, he was like, well, okay, yeah, I am depressed because of that. But I have other reasons to be depressed. Yeah, there's, there, yeah. I'm watching my wife going through all and, of this And the thing well. is, you know, it's that is a normal blessing part of marriage. But, you know, I mean, there's so we've many other ways. Yeah, we've years, we've grown our friendship with each other I, had... and other ways to be romantic. And mm -hmm. like I said, then you count everything as a small thing. And and we also have said, we, we're like, someday when we get better in health, we'll have a second honeymoon, you know? Yeah. And, and we'll, in fact, we'll have the honeymoon we never had. <laughs> <laughs> but um, obviously, I, I'm... Six and a half months pregnant now, so so something really, happened, we, we right? Something that happened. Yeah, yeah, it, it's pretty obvious you two were able <laughs> to do things here, man. So we did have a, a time where where we could. So that was that was a, a, a big time. miracle because yeah. for the longest time we couldn't, and then this woman uh, prayed over us, and she said, "I pray for supernatural intimacy," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> that, that, that's kind of what every guy dreams of, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and then it worked. So I was like, "Okay." It, it's so funny because now that Sarah's pregnant, this friend of ours was like, um, can you have that lady pray for us? <laughs> Heck, I was about to ask if you, you could give us her number and such. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> Sorry, after the show. After the show. <laughs> yeah. here, yeah, huh? <laughs> let me go back and talk about this phone because, I mean, Robert was still working on, uh, I mean, Sarah, was this kind of like also a strain on you because sometimes if a wife can't do things and such she can feel prone to be feel like a letdown to her husband a failure to her husband did that happen with you any yes and i would say that for a lot of things um intimacy wise for sure but also just i i couldn't cook mm. anymore i couldn't do the things that um made me feel like me and ways that i could provide for our family you know and i, I used to work before all, all of that kind of stuff it really started to affect my identity and it was really something I had to work on with God um, because you can really start to associate yourself as your long-term struggle I think mm -hmm. and, I, and I wanted to point out something too there's Christians who think that prayer is is not an action like well and there's non-believers too but the thing is if you are bedridden and that's all you can do that is something you know? I, I felt like I, I felt guilty at the time because there was times where I, I couldn't even write. I couldn't. I couldn't even encourage somebody with words at times. All I could do was be in bed and pray. That's my only action. Yeah, I, I have an uncle who's a skeptic, and he's like, "Prayer is all nice and everything, but 
you know, you have to do something. And I said, okay, well, here's the problem. Are you saying that Sarah's not doing anything when she prays for other people? He's like, okay, okay, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Now, with all of this, of course, since you're not able to work as much as ever people can such, that comes with some financial hardship. How does that affect you? Okay, so, you know, that was one of the biggest things you talked about, you know, when you get in the marriage and you had your plans and all that. Well, we both had we both had decent paying jobs, and mm-hmm. so much so that when I lost my job a month after Sarah left her job from doctor recommendation, we lived off of that money for seven months. Um, so I would say it affected us mainly identity-wise again, because when um, I mean, of course, the root issue of health issues was probably the biggest overwhelming thing for us, but financially, of course, that can be um, overwhelming as well. Extremely humbling. We, um, we ended up having to move in with our parents and that's a blessing, but we had to get on food stamps and we were at the mercy of other people, you know, with, um, you know, donations and so on through fundraising, especially when when Sarah's at her worst, but you know, like, you know, it helps us with rent, food, medical needs, all that. And I'm in a spot too. It's humbling as a man because I want to be a provider where it's that catch-22 vicious cycle where I need to get better to be able to work, to make money, to use for, to, to go and get better, to work more and so on. So, um, you know, what's been tempting is to fall into that despair, despair mindset where things will never get better. better and And it starts to blend into what's called the scarcity mindset, where you think that there's limited resources and um, you identify with your struggle. So, for example, with our health conditions, it can be tempting to identify with our struggle, but we've been careful to try to say, that's not our identity, it's what we battle with, what we mm. struggle with. Same with finances. And we, we both have had to pray and think, well, wait a sec, we're not God, we don't know the future, things can be different, you know, things could get better. So, we're not going to sit there and make an ultimate statement saying things are always going to be the same. On the plus side of things, you know, things can still be horrible. Things can still be used for good. So um, the good side of it is that we have uh, God kind of open our eyes to people that are in need. um, Right. Whereas we probably would have overlooked that. What's that verse that talks about, you know, um, when you go through something, you end up having more compassion it's like a, a, it becomes a ministry in of itself. So, to comfort others. Yeah, you know, second. with the comfort you receive, you send it type of thing. Well, I, I, I'm going to jump in here for a little bit, though, because we have some points y'all want. We know we're talking with Sarah and Michael Stover about their marriage today, but if you're here with us next week, I'm going to have my friend Jay Parker back on. He runs Hot Holy and Humorous. She got a new book out called Pillow Talk about ways to discuss intimacy with your spouse. There are 40 questions to ask. She'll be here next week. We're going to be discussing some of those questions. But now let's get back to Sarah and Michael. So, um, Sarah, what were you saying? What was I saying? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. <laughs> well, why don't I go on here, Ben, and say what I, I, I can't hear. I can use some of that for good and that it's opened our eyes to other people that we're in lowly positions and when we were able to, we, we tried to give even though we didn't have a lot. And I think that's a 
a, a healing thing. Yeah, we even said that when we get in a better place financially that we would want to pay it forward and help other people. You know, Sarah and Michael, you know that Allie and I are very much in the same kind of boat. Sure, and yeah, such. you're similar so, in the fact that there's something that caused that poverty. It's not like you you yeah. want to be in that situation. Yeah. There's something that, that caused it, and some of it is kind of health-related in a way with, with Allie. Yeah. See, I had, when when <laughs> I proposed to Allie, I had a really good job that I enjoyed, and it paid very well. Mm-hmm. It was making more than I had ever been making, and uh, it, maybe it comes from my gaming instincts, but I'm a saver and everything. And how that okay. connects to, to gaming? How that connects to gaming? It's just I am spendthrift, even when I play a video game with all my resources and such. <laughs> but I, I've been that way for a long time, and then uh, shortly at about three months before a wedding, my company laid me off. Hmm. Where we well, went, yeah. yeah, we wanted to go ahead and get married anyway, and see what would happen and such. And it's uh. It's been difficult for us where I've had some jobs, but not too many. And I can tell you, donations, things like that, they go such a long, long way. One example I'm thinking of right now is that Allie, for last Christmas, she had really wanted to get a Nintendo Switch. She'd been looking for it about all year, and she and her parents said, that really does cost too much. Why don't you ask for something else? Well, I'm at church at a men's meeting and such. And I'm talking to some of the guys there because we're going over Ten Commandments and we get to the one, you shall not covet and such. And I'm thinking, you know, guys, it's uh, really difficult for me with this one because I'm like you, Michael. I know that a husband is supposed to provide and such. And here, Allie is really wanting something. And I said, I can't get it for her. I told what it was. And I said, I really wish I could do this for her, but I can't. And I, I, that's all I talked about. Didn't think anything of it. A couple of weeks later, we're at the church there, right for the worship service, and a guy in front of us turns to us and says, "Hey, I heard you were wanting a switch." Wow, and I says, that's so yeah, cool. Yeah, and she says, "Would you like one? Would it make you happy?" Yeah, but it's so expensive. Would it make you happy? Yeah, but he kept, and I, I was saying, saying, I just say yes already, okay? I mean, I had no idea if it was even going to happen. And such. And he just said, okay, I want to get one for you. What games do you want? And we have the next men's meeting with him. We have a Switch. And, you know, that's fantastic. You know, when, and it's when, great those moments like that. It's not necessarily even a need, but it's almost like God provides even in those ways. Yeah, that's actually awesome. something I've learned in my life too. Is I I've used I used to have a really hard struggle with asking for help, mm-hmm. and um, this guy he was an ex um, mm-hmm. uh, college football player, and he he's he he was able he was able to do a lot of really cool things. And I said, how how this happen? And he said, ask not and you have not. Mm-hmm. I was like. <laughs> he's like just take a risk and ask he lived in a really nice house yeah, right? yeah. He asked and you know it doesn't mean do some weird joel steam crap no, 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 no i'm just saying you know you don't know until you ask and yeah and the worst that can happen is no you know yeah, i mean, I, mean so, I, with, yeah, I just want listeners out there to know that when you talk about if people like ali and i or sarah and michael when you talk about giving in any way even so you might seem like a small tiny thing 
-hmm. it means so much and someone gives us yeah. like say a 20 dollar gift card to a restaurant or so it's like oh wow this is such a great gift and such. it's a big deal and you know someone someone uh, back in 2017 because we had our seventh anniversary come up i remember he said nick i want to give you 200 bucks but here is my requirement this money okay you all have so many barrels and things like that and needs that you have to meet my crime of this money is you can only spend it on fun things. You have to do something fun. So what what did I do? Our seventh anniversary was coming up. I spent all two hundred bucks on that anniversary to make it the very best I could for our. That's nice. That's happened to us too, where somebody they said that we just want you to use this on something fun, and yeah. that was really hard. It was for a me. struggle. It was I like, was, wait, I, are you sure? I turned to Michael and I was like, no, we need. To we need to be practical. Job. I'm a very <laughs> practical person. It's like, other people are helping you with your medical needs. I want to make sure you have sanity and have fun, you know? <laughs> I was like, wow, you know? And Michael's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. I, I want to give Sarah the gift of knowing that we're not just in the survival mode. Yeah. And that's what that does, what you're talking about. It helps about, you feel like you're not you in survival just, mode, yeah. Well, I, well, I'd like to let people know at this point, mm -hmm. since we're talking about donations, that we do have a ministry here called Deeper Waters, and you can make donations to it. And if you want to do that, just go to deeperwatersapologetics.com. There's a link on the side. Help support the work of Deeper Waters Christian Ministries. You click that link, you get taken to Risen Jesus. Have you gone to the right place? Yeah, you have. Those are my in-laws, Mike and Debbie Lacona. You go, you make your donation, and then you get in touch with me. Or Allie or Michael Debbie and said, Hey, I make my donation. I want to go to Nick Peters. I want to go to Deeper Waters. It will be tax deductible. And friends, let me tell you, Michael and Sarah can back me on this, I'm sure. It gives such a smile to me when I see yeah. a donation come in because it, it's more than just me. It's also saying, I believe in you. I support your ministry, things like that. Definitely. You can also buy some ebooks that I have written, such as A Creed for the Ages, The Apostles' Creed in Today's Christian. And books that ebooks I have co-written, um, Groundless, God and Natural Disasters, um, Christian Answers, Rich Generations, Questions, and both Defining Inerrancy and Contextualizing Inerrancy. And you now there's another way you can don't ever tell you about. Um, Sarah, do you like jewelry? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Yes, yes. Most women I encounter do like jewelry. Well. Mm -hmm. Guys, we have a jewelry store here. The premier jewelers, my friend Lena Cluster helps us with that. And that if you make a purchase there, twenty-five percent of what you purchase goes to support deeper waters. So that's a, a kind of a win-win. You get to put a smile on the face of a lady in your life, and you get to support a ministry at the same time at no extra cost to you. And guys, you know my principle on this one, but sage advice i wish to pass on to you that uh, you can uh, buy something special for that lady in your life to make up for that screw up that you recently did with her or you can buy some, you can buy something special for that lady in your life to make up for that screw up that i know you're going to make with her and it should come with a massage <laughs> <laughs> now uh, if you can't do any of these please at least go on itunes and leave a positive review of the deeper waters podcast it it thrills my heart to see so many positive reviews coming in for the show and such and if i'm about 
what it means to you or everything. It's you have no idea what it means. Um, Michael and Sarah, do you have an organization you'd like to see people donate to? Yeah, Deeper Waters. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, you're busting us, so you know we definitely want to point people to your ministry. Mm -hmm. So now in August, what have you all learned about having a marriage? First, remind us, how long have you all been married? It's been a little over five years. I'll answer that one because Michael will probably screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so, so we're not talking about people who've been married for decades and such, but you still have learned some things that are worth passing on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, I know people who married 40 years or more have said wow you guys have gone through more you've learned more have. than we have yeah that, that's mm -hmm. what they would tell us you've learned a, a lifetime of marriage in a short amount of time with all of you that you've gone through mm -hmm. uh, so i would say that we've learned that one of the most important things is your foundation in christ and mm -hmm. remembering what he did for you uh he's the ultimate caregiver he's also suffered and suffered way more than we've ever have suffered so that and therefore he can relate to us in every way possible without sinning, which we all need help with to not fall into the sin part. Um, and I would say uh, we've learned other important things like how it's important to have boundaries mm -hmm. to protect yourself and to know to discern between safe people and not safe people, those who are compassionate, understanding, solid believers, and those who. You know, and, and it's it's tricky area too because there's people who mean well, but then it, they could be they could be wrong, and then there's people who are ill intent. So you have to distinguish between those and and decide where they are in your life and how close you allow them. Um, so you know what happened to me, for example, is years ago my own family disowned me. So I, you know, at the same time I was like, okay, well, and maybe that was for the best because I had a hard time finding a way to distance my, I, I had them at an arm's length, but it was hard for me, you know? Mm -hmm. so, um, we've also learned uh, how important it is to have communication. We, uh, we don't do it perfectly all the time, but we have something called relationship checkup. It's a free downloadable on our website. And uh, it goes into a lot of scripture reference and uh, quotes that um, aren't scripture, but they reflect about, they reflect the biblical worldview and it's very, you know, it's very important that one of the biggest problems in marriage is miscommunication. And um, not being intentional with each other. Not being so. intentional with each other. So, you know, like, for example, we have a baby coming. Well, our baby's going to be our, our joy. You know, we're, we're excited. It's a, Our baby's a blessing from God. But, you know, we want to make sure that we don't forget each other, that we don't forget to date each other. And, you know, there's creative things you could do that if you don't have the money, like we all don't, <laughs> um, where you can date your wife, your wife mm -hmm. can date you, you know, you can do, you can even do stuff from home, you know, you, you know, you don't have to go out, but um, just do what you can where you're at, you know, um, I would also say that. Wear that shirt or outfit that you know that the other person likes. And yeah, Sarah wrote yeah. a blog article on like, um, what was it called? Uh, you know, when you're married, not to forget how it was when you were dating. Yeah, just basically to remember for wives that they used to be a girlfriend and you mm. still need to stay a girlfriend. Yeah. Your spouse. Because there is women out there that kind of forget that and they go through the motions and they used to, you know, try to impress the man more when they were dating. Well, why, why, why not still try for both of us to impress each other? Right. Yeah, you know? yeah. We, we men can make the exact same mistake. We can seek to pursue our wives passionately and... 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I would say, you know, uh, some books that we recommend, uh, Love and Respect, Sacred Marriage, uh, Timothy Keller's book on marriage with his wife, Kathy Keller. The Meaning uh, of Marriage. Yes, yeah. Meaning of Marriage. Uh, and then as far as overall hardship, um, I would say Sarah read a book, and I want to read it myself. It sounded so good. It was, what is it called? It's from Esther Fleece. She was with Robbie Zacharias Ministries and all. Um, uh, no More Picking Fine. And it's basically about um, lamenting and the fact that the church doesn't really allow for that. Um, and, and it's it's much. really healing, and it's being real, and even Jesus lamented. Yeah. Um, so, and uh, there's other books, too. Um, I mean, we, we actually... Sarah creates lists of some books that she recommends on her blog and they get a lot of hits from traffic. So um, if you ever want to check out those lists of books. Um, And then another very important thing is who's your inner circle? Who's the people who build up your marriage and not try to tear it down? I remember when I was freshly married, I talked to this married guy. He, he actually was an ex NFL player and um, he had an injury so he couldn't do anymore. But I said, what would you, what, what advice would you get for marriage? She's a believer too, which is good. He said, be careful how many single guys you allow in your life when you're married. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And But he's like, what I mean is they don't know what it's like to have that perspective in marriage. So they think that you still can be a bachelor and give them all the time in the world. And um, so in my life, I do have guy friends that are single, but I, I try to be careful because you know, I, I know what he's talking about. I had a friend, he met well, he, he wasn't ill intent. He just was misguided. And he's like, he told Sarah when we were first married, oh, um, uh, you get Mike uh, two days a week and I get him five days a week. And we're like, what? <laughs> yeah, that, that does not make sense. <laughs> so um, I had to put him in his place and he's a good friend because he takes correction well. Um, but you know, so Sarah got a good analogy from this Christian fiction author named Robin Jones Gunn. That's it's kind of the bullseye analogy where you know how you have the bullseye and the outer rings. Well, the very center is the closest friends, those who you can tell almost anything to. Then you have the outer rings and you decide who's on what ring and where they are. And if someone becomes more trustworthy, they get closer and closer. But if somebody, you know, wrongs you, it's like they're going to go on the outer edge, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and um, I have to say also not even right. on there. They'll just miss the mark. Well, and especially if they wrong you and they're not looking to correct it. Yeah, that's, make that's, it right. That's the huge thing. I mean, we, we all make mistakes at times, right? But the big thing is if you you correct yourself. So Yeah. And um it, I I find myself certainly have a passion. We want to start up a podcast like you, funny enough, that will be mainly about marriage and encouraging and building up marriages. Um and we find ourselves wanting to help people who are married and those who are thinking about getting married. For example, if I met a young man who isn't married yet, I would say, what are the reasons that you want to get married? Is it just to have sex? Well, that's not, that's not a good reason. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you have a multifaceted reason, and the main is that you two would make a great team in Christ, and everything else comes with that, then yes, but you have to also mean what you say when you write your vows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, a, it's sad. I, we're in a Christian Lyme disease group, and almost every day we see a, a woman or a man, mainly women, will say, uh, my husband left me because of my Lyme disease. Oh, gosh. And I'm just like, oh, 
and I feel that righteous anger that God gives us. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, man, what did it, what did this guy get married to her for in the first place? You know, for the good time. And, and, and it's also relates to finances, you know, um, it, you hear it either way around, but usually it's a woman leaving a man where, you know, he lost his great financial earnings and she's like, Oh, well, and then there's other things too. Like, they, for example, uh, couples will say, well, I don't feel emotionally connected anymore. It's like, you don't rely on your emotions. Emotions are really good in that we're creating God's image. He has emotions, but you shouldn't rely on them. Just because you don't feel in love. Yeah. Right? And, the, love you know, love is multifaceted. The main love is agape. And then there's all the other loves that come with it. But, um, you know, you, you like sometimes Sarah and I didn't feel emotionally close, but we still loved each other. We still knew we were in it for, for the till the end, you know. Well, let's uh, let's talk some about emotions here, because we can about emotions towards one another. But what about your emotions towards God in all of this? Well, to be quite honest and frank, um, you know, it could sound blasphemous to some people, <laughs> but we've we've really wrestled in our in our faith um, and have had various multiple. Uh, you know, types of emotions that that would be covered in the spectrum of the Psalms. So, of course, we've had good adoration and worship and that kind of thing. But, you know, there's times where I've I've said, you know, just reading back over my journal and like Michael said, it can sound blasphemous almost, but I've mentioned being disappointed in God and or angry or right. But we see the lives of Job, David, and the Psalms, other psalmists. Um, so many in the Bible as an example that you, you can be honest towards God. And that's, that and ties in with the whole topic that. of lamenting and how it's okay to do that. And there were so, there are so many um, characters in the Bible that, you know, were raw and real with God, with their emotions, like David, Jeremiah, he said, you know, he basically just wanted to die. And, you know, in fact, we've had prayers like that, like, just take us, you know, mm-hmm. and this better just take us that can sound really defeatist and there's there's people who are self-righteous who have not gone through things self self-professing christians who could be the worst actually and um well and some of them are like oh just stay positive and i remember and there's, there's a okay, quote there's truth to being positive but yet you you also need to be honest yeah there's too. there's truth mm-hmm. to your mindset and all but the, the problem is they make it like this extreme thing and i avoid extremisms you know they'll say like, well, it must be that you don't have enough faith or it must be some mm-hmm. sin in your life. We don't pretend to be without sin. It says in First John that if you have sin, confess your sin. And it also says if you say you have not sinned, you're a liar. Well, we're telling you right now we've sinned before. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we confess our sin. Um, and then the faith, it's like, well, wait a sec. Faith is a gift from God. You know, it's it, you don't create your own faith. And the disciples themselves, they actually said, increase our faith. Mm-hmm. So... You know, but there's these cookie cutter approaches to things that are really dangerous in, in theology and can can be very damaging to the people who suffer. So um, I would say, you know, with our relationship with God, if we bought what people said, it would actually shape our perspective of God, God that he it's like um, I'm punishing you because you've sinned. Uh, you don't have enough faith, that kind of thing. Um, but the, we it's like God has more grace and mercy than we can imagine and um you know he works he has a lot of patience and gentleness towards those who are raw and real with their emotions and 
you know, he didn't strike David down (laughs) for crying out to him. And, And that's the key. It's that you can have various emotions with God, but bring them to God, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, I was, and he can more than handle our emotions. I'll say too, there's times where I was trying to read apologetic material on the problem of evil and suffering. And I would say there's advice from others out there. And it's probably good advice that when you're going through a crisis situation, it's not the best to delve into that. You, you need more of the pastoral counseling side of yeah. Yeah. the problem of evil and suffering. I've, I've, I've told guys before, for instance, like, if you're ever a pastor of a church and a lady comes to you and she's crying because her teenage son just died in a car accident she wants to know why God let this happen, if you turn to an apologist or a philosopher at that moment, I will come over and smack you. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's not the time for it at all. Mm-hmm. I've heard um, uh, it was... Um, from a book I read uh, last year, Embodied Hope, it's really good on... Um, Do you remember the author? Kelly Capick? Yeah, Kelly Capick. And it was it was a really good book for... It's from IVP, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for the problem of people and suffering, but more of the... A, a worldview side of it, more than just an apologetics material. But he was mentioning, you know, apologetics and, and plumbing really the... Um, the reasons as to why um, uh, the problem in, in e- of evil and suffering exists is it's not appropriate at the bedside of the suffering. It's, yeah. it's appropriate in a classroom setting. It's appropriate when um, emotionally you can handle it. And a good case study example of that is uh, the book of Job, where at first Job's friends did a good thing, which is they were they shut their mouths, they mourned with him, and that was if they stopped there that it would have been great and then wait for him to say okay i want to hear what you say or something but their problem is they started opening their mouths and they had all their theories as to why what was going on with job was going on with job and what happened in the very end god corrected them and Mm -hmm. said they, they were wrong now the problem is a lot of christians don't read that and then they'll go to someone who's suffering and say, well, this is why what's going on with you is going – they're basically modern Job's friends. Mm-hmm. It's like we should really learn from that example and then learn from the example of Christ. How is he with people who suffered? You know, mm-hmm. he met them where they were at. He, you know, he would uh, take care of their needs where they're at, that kind of thing. And, and here's another thing. Jesus actually acknowledged pain and suffering. He didn't treat it like it was, uh, you know, oh, just shit. Like, notice the people he suffered. He didn't go up to him and say, oh, well, just think positive or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then some examples are people that didn't even come to him. It was someone else praying for someone else, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's not always on someone's faith. And, in fact, there's an example where the disciples were like, oh, um, was it this person's sin or their parents' sin? you know, that kind of thing, or faith, whatever, and he's like, no, it's for the glory of God, you know, mm-hmm. um, so th- that's why I say it's, you know, pain and suffering, hardship, it's There's complicated, to it, and that's why I think the position of skeptical theism makes sense, have you, I'm sure you're familiar with skeptical theism, if, I think I am, but just explain it just to be sure, okay, so it, it, on the surface, it sounds like an oxymoron, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but basically, somebody else reached out to me, this perspective is we're not going to know everything all the reasons as to why god allows things but someday we will when we meet him you know um so it helps 
it's helpful because think about the end of the book of Job where there's, did, still that mystery. there's a mystery. Did he completely answer why, what happened, what happened? God just said, you're no. not me. You don't he know just, why. He just said, were you there when yeah. this happened and that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a hybrid view of pain and suffering, um, a combination of traditional uh, and a skeptical theism. And I, I, I still wrestle about certain perspectives I'm not settled on, but I, I, I've read enough to at least help me through things. Um, we at least know that there's a mystery, and I think that's why theism does make sense. And what, yeah, and what helps me too is that God has a greater good reason in the end. I know. And Keller mentioned, you know, you have the story of Joseph, for instance, where Joseph basically got to find out exactly why. Yeah. He heard. Don't, know, we, all wanna, we, don't we all want to? Don't we all want a Joseph yeah. answer? He had that closure of why he had to go through being sold into slavery and everything. It was to get to the position where he was at to save the people from the famine. Um, and then in Job's situation, there's that total mystery. So yeah. Keller was basically saying, um, most of us don't get um, a complete answer, a Joseph answer where we have this total closure of why we went through what we went through, but we also don't usually have. A Job answer, which yeah. is basically not really much of an answer. But we're also saying, there, you know, we're not saying just because it's a mystery that you can't ask God why. Sure. You know, you we we have that's the thing. We can come through to the throne of uh, throne of grace with boldness because of what Christ did, and um, through Christ we can we can ask why. You know, we may not always get the answer, but we can ask. We can certainly ask. And um, but what. Ultimately, it comes down to that has helped my emotions with God is thinking about what Jesus did and endured, and that He's our great High Priest. Um, and and you know, but and when you examine other worldviews, you know, for example, Hinduism, it's like, oh, it's an illusion. Your pain and suffering is just an illusion. Well, uh, that doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. Well, and, and Jesus never asked us to go through what He wanted. Go. What, he didn't go through himself when he was flesh and blood on. Yeah, he and went then through financial crisis. He went through family abandonment. He went through the whole gauntlet, physical suffering. Yeah, um, emotional abandonment from his friends at his uh, darkest time. So. And then with Jesus, <laughs> you know, the thing is, he actually stared evil in the face and said it was real, and he took it on, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the difference difference between our God versus other worldviews. You know, he stared in the face and it's not an illusion. It's not an illusion. It's real. And he took it on. And even on the cross, hello, hello. You know, I can't even say what he said, but it basically, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so here it is. Jesus was being vulnerable and real saying, why have you forsaken me? If, if he can, if Jesus, God in the flesh can say that, I think we can too. Well, like when Sarah there's not enough time to go into another question here, but this has been very opening. But we'll just ask one quick question here and have sure. a very quick answer. What do you hope your story would do for others? We hope that it would inspire inspire others to cling to Christ. If you're not if someone's not saved, to really examine the evidence for Christianity and the whole spectrum, not just the intellectual, but the emotional. Christianity covers the whole gauntlet of existence. So, you know, uh, take your time with it. Um, and, and it's the worldview that's really gotten it's, us through. It's too. the worldview that has gotten us through our pain and suffering, and it makes the most sense of reality. 
Um, and we just hope that, you know, secondary to Christ, that it would cause people to be, uh, you know, to have a, a foundation in marriage, a revival in marriage, uh, a renewal in marriage. And um, I would just say overall love of God and love of others. And also mm-hmm. gratitude. If you can yeah, talk, gratitude. if you can Anything, talk all of that, yeah. then please, you know, know that you, you do have something to be grateful yeah for sure yeah we're we're extremely grateful for our little miracle baby here especially considering that we were told from doctors that um it would be be really difficult yeah Mm -hmm. well i'd like to thank you all for a take i'm getting ahead of myself here do you remind us of your website again so that people can find out how they can reach you inkflotofhope.com yeah okay Hope.com. Uh, I'll spell it just in case. I N K B L O T S O F H O H O P E dot com. Okay. And do you have any uh, final thoughts you'd like to leave for the Deeper Waters audience? Um, maybe I could just pray for the audience. Maybe we both could, or something like that. Sure. Okay. Um, Heavenly Father, we just pray for all those who are listening. We pray that you. Uh, for those who are married, you bless their marriage and that they would come back to their first love with you and that it would pour out for their love for one another, that they would have a strong foundation, a strong biblical worldview, that you give them wisdom um, and discernment, especially from the tactics of the enemy. That's another thing we forget about marriages. The enemy uh, tries to attack marriages and tear them apart. So we pray that you surround marriages and protect them and that there be a revival of marriages across the country, across the world. And we also pray that people would fall more in love with you and um, have a strong foundation overall in you, Uh, that you give them hope and encouragement if they are going through any form of hardship or suffering or anything like that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for taking your time to come on here and hope we receive back you again sometime. Definitely. God bless you, Nate. I'd like to remind everyone that next week we're going to have Jay Parker on talking about her book, Pillow Talk. For now, I'm Nick Peters, and I'm signing off.